what I wanted to say or you know I had it I had it in my mind but I just forgot it you know it left me so I don't know we all have our parts to play Christians amen Deuteronomy chapter number 7 as I was saying <coughs> I won't uh, we won't take as much time as usual because we need to organize ourselves for the prayer summit which effectively started yesterday all right for those of you who have no idea as to why we have prayer summit at the beginning of each month it started four or five years ago when I was walking up to church and the Spirit of God gave me a vision of the church praying for the entirety of a month I remember it I saw that vision a year before we started it because I just thought oh well and then sometime along the year the Lord gave me the instruction that we ought to dedicate the month of May every single year for prayer and seeking the Lord and we have been doing that ever since we have modified our strategies throughout but we have been doing that ever since and this year is no different praise the Lord Yes, last year we 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 did 49 days, right? So this year we will do no more because last year it was out of the ordinary. So we'll do 31 days. So the entirety of May we will pray. So I want to get time to organize and give you instructions as to how we're going to uh pray this month. Praise the Lord. There's an acceleration of the Spirit of God that is waiting to happen. You know, we are God's people. We belong to a different sort, a different kingdom. So our nature the characteristics of our function on earth is not determined by the world which we live Jesus said you are in the world but you are not of the world it means you draw your life the source the well of your life is not from this world so it is God that measures progress success for us and not what happens around us so as God's people, it is important that we acquaint ourselves with his expectations for our lives. Because we should not and must not compare ourselves individually and corporately with the world. Israel was different from Egypt. 
even though Israel was in bondage in Egypt. And when God was about to deliver them, God said, he will make a distinction between Israel and Egypt. So there has to be and there is a separation, a division between our function in life and Egypt, which in this case is synonymous with the world. So we will be discussing uh, largely in the service how we're going to approach this year's prayer summit. But I want to give you context, all right, and help you understand. In life, things don't just happen. There is no such thing in life as luck. There is no such thing in life as coincidences. In life, things either are made to happen by you or by forces beyond your perception. Things don't just happen. You don't wake up one day and life is as it is. So God has equipped us with resources to make things happen, to make life happen. And it is to our own advantage and our own benefit that we take advantage of these resources that God has made available for us to use to advance our lives, establish his will in our lives. The Bible tells us that many of God's people are destroyed. Their lives are brought to destruction because they lack the sufficient knowledge to make the right choices, the right decisions, and the right actions. It, 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 that tells us that it is knowledge, <coughs> an accurate knowledge, that establishes or determines the direction or the cause of one's life. So the presence or the absence of accurate knowledge in our lives really affect how we live life, the choices we make, the actions we take. He said it in Proverbs, he said, by knowledge shall strength increase. You are as strong in this world as the knowledge you possess. And the best knowledge of all is the knowledge of God. The knowledge of the word of God. For the man who possesses such knowledge will have automatically an advantage in this life. And will be preserved from destruction. Will be preserved from destruction. The possession of knowledge is the preservation from destruction. 
So you are as protected in life as the knowledge and the quality, not just knowledge, the quality and accuracy of knowledge that you possess. He says wisdom and knowledge are the stabilizers of our times. So your journey in life is stabilized by the possession of wisdom and knowledge. And the Bible tells us that the word of God is able to make us wise. And not only able to make us wise, but it is our wisdom. Our wisdom for living and functioning accurately in life. So all we see, all the destruction we see in our lives, the unstableness, the imbalances in our lives are because we lack the adequacy of knowledge, the fullness of knowledge. So you cannot move with God in life beyond the possession of knowledge. How would Moses, how could Moses have known that the waters can be congealed through the stretching forth of his hand? How could he have known except he be given the knowledge? How could he have known that he could speak to the rock, he could hit the rock and it would bring forth water? How could he have known except he be told? Knowledge is the action of wisdom. When wisdom speaks and a man acts, he's a knowledgeable man. So we need to know. You understand? We need to know and we need to be concerned when we do not know. Because if we are not concerned, there may be no changes. There may be no transformation. The base of all change is knowledge. Is knowledge. So when he said by a prophet he preserved them, it was by the knowledge he gave the man, the wisdom he gave the man that he preserved that generation. So you need to look at life through the eyes of God's knowledge. Because God's knowledge is determinative. You understand? I don't want to say prophetic, it is determinative. You can know, based on the knowledge of God, the end of a man's life. Because it is set in stone. And that's what God's knowledge gives you. So, I want us to look at certain things in the word of God, which I believe can help us hallelujah Amen. 
Just stop this. He said, you shall destroy their altars and break their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden image and burn their carved images with fire. He's talking about when they now enter into Canaan. He says, one of the first things they ought to do is they are to destroy their altars, their sacred pillars, to destroy them. He says, when you enter, imagine, God's promised land was filled. Israel's promised land was filled with altars, filled with idols, filled with sacred pillars. Think about it. The very place that was their inheritance the place that God had given to their, had promised to their forefather was filled with giants. Was filled with altars. Was filled with sacred pillars. Now, you ask yourself, how? Shouldn't the land God promised or God was going to give Israel to inherit be clean. Because you would think that, right? You would think God will give, it's, it's the promised land. They waited 38 years, 40 years to enter that land. Now, all of a sudden, God is telling them, when you get in there, you'll find the ice. And the first things I want you to do when you get into that land is to have no relations at all with the ites. Destroy them utterly. But his promised land is this is the land that was given to Abraham is filled with altars. Is filled with idols. Is filled with giants. The place that God gave them was infested what demonic presence. So that land was, was strong. 
or had a strong demonic presence. Wow. 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 You mean to tell me that God is going to give these people? The, that's the ultimate. You understand? Before there were other cities that they destroyed. Og. Remember Og? Bashan. And so forth. They destroyed all those kings. But this was the ultimate. Read verse 1. When the Lord God brings you into the land which you go to possess and cast out many nations before you. You see that? That was the land of lands. That made the land of lands. It had all the ites, not just one nation, different races of the ites. And you must know if you study, if you read chapter 1 and, and so forth, you realize that the ites really had demonic infiltration because among the ites were the giant race and we know from genesis chapter 6 how the giant race came to be right it was through what the gene mutation that came as a result of the angels fallen angels mating with women so it seems like oh maybe we should go back to establish something here okay go to genesis chapter 6 because you read Genesis chapter 6 and you say, but God destroyed the giants. There's a little detail there that would make you see that the mating of angels and men still continued after the flood. Remember, the one who is writing this book is Moses, the five books of Moses. So he's the one that God gave the revelation of the Genesis, right? Notice what Moses says, okay? Chapter 6, Genesis, and then we come back here because I want, I want to establish something here, okay? Genesis chapter 6. Are we there? All right. Verse number one. Let's read one to three. Or one to four. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves. Now theologians have different explanations and interpretations here some they say no this is Abel now Abel was a man how could he produce giants you understand how could he produce giants because you know the sons of God is, is referring to no it's not referring to man you can see he's referring to a class of beings that are that are immaterial or, 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 or spiritual in nature if you read Job 1, the Bible talks about the sons of God congregating before the Lord. And Satan came in amongst them. And we see from there that the sons of God there was referring to a class of beings, which angelic beings. 
Again, in chapter, in chapter, I think, 30 or something in Job, the Bible says the sons of God were there before the foundations of the world. So, he, yeah, he could not have been talking about man, right? So, he says, and the sons of God saw the daughters of man that they were beautiful. Now, the angelic beings that he's talking about is a class of beings that rebelled with Lucifer. Okay, so they still had certain stations throughout the universe. So they took the daughters of men and saw them beautiful. And they took them. They took wives for themselves. Notice, they married them. They met. Now, it shows something here. This reveals something. This reveals how, I mean, they are fallen right they could just come in and finish them up rape them and do whatever but they they took them as wives it shows it shows it shows how important it was they understood the laws of god they understood i mean for for fallen think about it, for fallen angels to still marry must show that they have a recognition of the significance of this thing. They took wives for themselves, not girlfriends. They took wives. In other words, they married them. Before they slept with them, they married them. How much respect angels have to women? Can I share more? five years, or I respect you, I love you. You don't love them. Let's leave it there. Amen. Let's leave it. Because give us a little man. They are wondering if you deviate. They are wondering if you are saying that deviate. So you ask yourself, did they caught them? By Jose Levona? Or they just married them? Because here's what you must read. The, the, I mean, the Bible only summarizes the encounter. In the encounter, it's not like a day passed, bam, we married, bam. No. Days must have passed. Activities must have happened. So you begin to wonder, when they took wives to themselves, did they have a ceremony? Did they live together? Because they were not in heaven, they were on earth. How then would they have seen them? The Bible they saw. That means these creatures were walking among them. And we've got Bible proof 
to show us that really these creatures, these uh, fallen angelic beings were already in the earth. Called Mingli. Oh, God Almighty. Okay, let me show you. Can I show you? Genesis chapter 1. You must understand that Satan came to earth before Adam. Adam found Satan on earth. <laughs> you know, you take me back. I don't want to go that far. Okay. Let's 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 finish it, right? Who fell first? Who fell first? He fell from where? And when he, he fell, where was he cast down to? Was it a deliberate action of God to cast him down to earth? Yeah? Is there another place God could have cast Satan? No. Why? Because in the universe of God, all that exists is earth. Other planetary systems are in the heavens. They're not on earth. They're, oh, okay, let's leave that. But Satan fell to the earth. So he must have had some time and he didn't fall alone. Remember? The dragon and his angels. They were cast down into the earth. So they had time to do what? They had time to spread throughout the earth. You, you follow? They're, listen, we are not, there are no new devils on earth. The, the same devils that were there in the beginning are still the same here today. No new devils. So they spread right across the earth. And the clue that tells us that is what God said to Abraham, I mean to Adam. The Bible said the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. So that was a place that was what? That was, it was a territory God has set. And the Bible says the Lord gave the man what? He put the man there to do what? To tend the garden, to tend it, to cultivate it, to manage it. And then he said something, to keep it. To protect it from what? From what? If if there was no yes, if there was no other inhabitants on earth, what are you keeping? If Adam is the only one on earth, why does he need to protect the garden? Remember, the garden had two protectors. It was Adam after he fell, it was the cherub. And the cherub had the same mission to do to do what? To keep. So according to God, Adam was the protector, the first protector of the garden. And what was he protecting? For what, mommy? For, for Satan. Because as I said, Satan was already there. And remember, remember, the, the, the chiefest, or rather, the, the most important thing in the garden 
was the tree of life. So really, Adam was a keeper of the tree of life. Because had Satan gotten access to the tree of life, Satan would have been unjudgeable and as immortal as God. This is a story for another day. So, they were already here, right? In Genesis chapter 1, it says to subdue the earth. Now, why do you subdue? Because the very definition of, of, of subduing something means that there's already something in what? In rebellion. Amen. So, Adam could not have fallen if evil was not already present. So, these creatures, these beings were roaming around the earth. That's why, oh, Cain is born, Abel is born, boom, Cain murders. What's happening? And the Bible tells us that he was of the... <laughs> Let's go to chapter 6. Now you understand, right? Let's go back to chapter 6. And in Jude, the Bible says, the angel left their estate. They left their estate. So they are meant to live in the heaven. They left the heavens, came to live among men. So that, that worked. Oh, and it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. Bow calls in the Nephilims. Okay. Jesus said the last days will be like the days of Noah. So it will be it will be repeat mode. It, it, it has already been happening. No, it, oh. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and that they took wives for themselves and the Lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man forever for he is indeed flesh yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. Listen to verse 4. They were mm, they were giants on the earth in those now, 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 I want you to, to notice something, okay? There were giants on the earth in those so in those days, right? And then he adds another detail. Yeah? When God, when God destroyed the earth, he didn't destroy the devils. Devils are spirits. So he destroyed all flesh, but the spirits remain. The spirits that cohabitated, that cohabitated with the women still remain. Now you're following. So he says there were giants in those days and also afterward. There's that thing. So afterward, afterward, after the flood, there were giants also. When the sons of God, this is how they, this is how the giants 
came, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, in other words, slept with them, and they bore children to them. Those were the Nephilims. That's what is translated. Those were the Nephilims, the men of renown. So, giants are really a consequence of what? Of the co-inhabiting of women and angelic species. Foreign species. So, what happened in Genesis is that when they, when they came, they started sleeping with women, started sleeping with animals. Why? Because they needed to corrupt the DNA of man. Remember, from the fall, God was looking for a godly seed. And they knew. The prophecy said what? The seed of the woman. The seed of... That's why the first attack was to, to women. Because the prophetic word was that the seed, the offspring of a woman will what? Will crush your head. So he knew, oh, woman. So this seed is going to come from woman. So what, what did he do? He went and what? He went and proliferated corrupted women by taking wives to themselves. Why? For the purpose of corrupting what? The seed. Because once the women are sleep with the angels, they, they themselves become corrupted. And whatever comes out of them becomes corrupt. Therefore, the holy seed of God cannot yet come. That's why God said, I must destroy everything. So the perfection that God found in Noah was not the perfection of morality. It was the perfection of the gene. So his gene still retained the DNA of Adam. So God said, I will preserve him. Now you follow. So God was what? Preserving a seed for a, poster a posterity. So he destroyed everybody. That's what. Oh. If Noah himself had corrupted genes, God would not have chosen him. So Genesis 6 is about the war for the seed. That's what it, it was about. Amen. Amen. Now you get it, right? So also afterward mean that they, they must have been what? A continuation of Genesis chapter number 6. And it has still been going on till today. Very soon, you, you will hear in the headlines, very soon, you will hear in the headlines, Men of space arrive from earth. Pope comes to receive them. And anyways, let's, let's read. Let, let's go back to Deuteronomy. The earth, the earth is ripe for extraterrestrial beings. They are, they are fixing to manifest. Let's <laughs> And when they come, they come with the promise of, of higher intelligence, higher technology, preservation of the earth. 
Because that's what you are hearing now. Right? What are you hearing? We need to take care of the earth. We need to protect the earth. Who made, who, 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 who signed off that, hey, you are director of taking care of the earth. But that's what they, that's, that's what they are, they are whispering now. controls the most powerful telescope on earth yeah human being but do you know who do you know who controls the most powerful telescope on earth you don't know it's not a government it's a church the Roman Catholic Church they have, they have the most powerful, more powerful than all of NASA's telescopes. And it's on Earth. And when they ask him, the idea behind it, they said, no, we are searching, searching for life force in the heavens. And it is only now that they started to reveal that, that really they have made contact. No, go read yourself. They have already made contact. So now all that's left is, is, is a primal arrival. That's all that's left. They are priming for the arrival. That's why they released. Ah, let's leave that. Let's leave that. Let's leave that. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Let's leave that. The, 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 you see, the world, especially the world leaders especially the world leaders among them there's a group which are very well educated in the mysteries of the supernatural most of them have already been initiated into luciferism so the plan was always to help humanity prime for our arrival. It will be spectacular. <laughs> you call me. You see, the Roman Catholic Church is the epitome of apostasy. They are the epitome of apostasy. 
Remember, the true church has a Christ. The false church must also have a Christ. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we are going to see the King. And that level, I shall have a low. You understand? I ask a low. That's a higher dimension. The days of Noah. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. So they know they can't they can't they can't give. So they already began the cloning, right? They know they can't give soul, they can't create a soul. Right? So what they will do is that they will create the vessels, the bodies, as hosts. As hosts. Hosts for who? For who? Nebuchadnezzar did it. Remember? He tried to do it. <coughs> Later on, John revealed it. That the first prophet will give life to the statue. Many, many are based on what is happening in the world are connecting this to uh, artificial intelligence, right? But, but that's not supernatural. You understand? It's not, it's not to switch on a light like this and bam, the thing comes on. It's not supernatural. So the, it can be artificial intelligence. So let's go back. Because we want to establish something, right? So, nor shall you make marriages with them, right? Nor shall you give your daughters. Because they are corrupted. Again, now, verse 5. But you, thus you shall deal with them. Says, how, this is how you will deal with them. You will destroy their altars. When, look at where God starts. Look at where the Lord starts. You know the Bible says in the days of Ezekiah, the people destroyed the altars and the Lord gave them prosperity. I, I, I'll show you. And you shall destroy their, their, why? Yeah? Why? Why? Now, this is God talking. Now, Nahana Mudim. This is Kimudim. Ne? Mudimara Otatia. The altar ratabon and destroyed them. Why? It means God must understand or should understand. Sorry. God must understand or should understand that there is what? 
that there's some spiritual significance in what? In the erection of altars. Because that's the first place he sends them. Destroy the altars. Because God himself commanded Israel. Oh. Exodus. Exodus. Now, now the erection of altars didn't start with Moses. It started with Abraham. But, 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 it was to Moses that the command... Oh. Lord Jesus, let me, let, let me help these people. Uh, Exodus. Let's read, let's read Genesis first. Genesis 35. Let's read Genesis 35 verse 1. Now these are these are these are ancient these are ancient things, all right? Ancient secrets that the modern church has lost, and that's why the modern church is whipped. Then God said to Jacob, "Arise." Now, here, let me ask you a question, right? Let me ask you a question. If a demonic person a witch, a wizard, a magician, or sorcerer, right, determines to build an altar. Will that altar work? Will it work or will it not work? Why? Why? It will work. It will work. Why? No, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, for those who say altars are Old Testament, right? Today, ne? Arer Muloi, O Obato Faith, ne? Atama Ailoaha Altar, Rayahai, right? And Gualtering Elayahai, Ere, whatever they do. Will it work or will it not work? It will work. I thought that it's an Old Testament thing. Why does it work? Because it's an Old Testament thing. We're in the new age. So why is it working? Because spiritual principles have no expiration date. You follow me? You, you, do you follow me? Spiritual principles have no expiration date that is why the mystery of altars did not begin with moses it began in genesis genesis is before the old testament you understand so genesis does not fall either to the old or to the new it is pre all those things that means in genesis you find all the mysteries of life inculcated if you want to find out the truths about life the truths about operating the dimensions of the spirit, you go to Genesis. That's why it's in the book of beginnings. There, nothing is expired. Nothing expires there. That is why it was not in the Old Testament that 
Melchizedek appeared to Abraham. It was in Genesis. Genesis is not Old Testament. So when you talk about the Bible, right, and the Bible says Old Testament, never be thinking Genesis because Genesis doesn't fall in that category. The Old Testament is the will that began after Moses consecrated it. So really, the Old Testament doesn't really begin up until later in Exodus when Moses consecrates the tablets. That's the Old Testament. Because it was the covenant that God made with Israel. You, you follow me? It was the covenant that God made with Israel. The New Testament is the testament, not that God made with the church, but with Jesus. The church is not part of the Old Testament. It is the result of, this is something you must understand. Because that's why many of y'all are whipped today. You're whipped by devils left, right, and center, even though Jesus Christ had died for you. You're whipped. Because we don't understand the concepts of testaments. The testament God made was Israel. The first one, really, and, and it was in fulfillment of the promise. So Abraham was given the promise, not, not a testament. A promise. It was the covenant of promise. And the covenant of Moses, that is where the promise began to be what? To be initiated. That's why they didn't enter the promised land first and God gave them a testament. He signed a testament first before they entered the promised land. So the New Testament is, is a will, a contract that God made with Jesus. That's why the Bible says a will is not in effect until the one who testated it dies. But Jesus didn't die. Jesus rose again. So it cannot still be in effect because the Christ rose again. So it was in effect for three days. Then it was done. After three days, we became the fruits of the New Testament. Not what part of the New Testament, but the fruit. It's like a marriage. When a man and a woman marries and they cohabit together, the child becomes what? The fruit of the marriage. They know, the child is not married to their father or to their mother. No, they are the fruits. That's what Paul calls, um, Paul calls Israel. He says they are the sons of the covenant. And that's who we are. The sons of the new covenant. So, the covenant doesn't really apply to us. We are, we are its fruit. We come from it. So, we live by another law. And that is where Genesis comes in. Anyways, it's fine. I told you, knowledge preserves. So, let's read Genesis, chapter 35. Then, verse 1. Then, who said? Who said? Who said? Who said? Who said? Don't forget that. Then God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Yeah. Woo -hoo 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 -hoo. 
quickly chapter 13 verse 10 we there we there all right and then read verse 10 please uh, I thought altars were done away with. I thought altars were done away with in the Old Testament. What are they doing in the New Testament? What are altars doing in the New Testament? The Bible says we have. Read there. We have an altar. We have it. We have an altar. I want to establish why God wanted them to destroy the altars in the promised land. Not outside, in the promised land. And why were there altars in the promised land? You, you will understand the mystery of demonic city for the purpose of preventing God's cause to be executed. Because if you read the Bible, you will find that every place that God has preserved for something was demonically seeded. Oh, 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 okay. Chapter <laughs> Revelations, Revelations. Chapter eight, 6, chapter 6, verse 9. Chapter 6, verse 9. Can you read, please? I saw where? Under, underway. Under, underway. How? Are the altars in heaven? Are the altars in heaven? Please. There's your Bible. There's your Bible. What can you say? No. There's your Bible. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw what? Under the altar, the souls of those who did what? For the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Where were they kept? The, the souls of the martyrs, where were they kept? There's an altar in heaven. Let's substantiate that further. Chapter 8. You can't say no because it's there in the Bible. Verse 8, chapter 8, verse 3. Uh, yeah? No, verse 1. There was silence where? On earth. Where? 
Where was they silent? Yeah, for about half an And I saw the seven angels who stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden, he came and stood where? Ha, ha. There are altars in heaven. Are there altars in heaven? Are there altars in heaven? So it must mean that altars hold a what? A significance. What, what is an altar doing in heaven? What is an altar doing in heaven? Listen, if there's an altar in heaven, you, would, you must know there's an altar in hell. But, oh God, oh, people of God, people of God, Lucifer was a cherub. The Bible says he walked upon the fiery stones of God. He was a cherub. He was a cherub that transported the throne of God. He was close to the altar. He knew about the dealings of the altar. So he said there are seven angels. And then there was one angel who held a golden center and stood where? Then another angel of God came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. The altar was before the throne. So there's an altar before the throne of God. When God told Moses to build the tabernacle, he said one of the items before you enter into the Holy of Holies, he says there was the altar of incense before the Holy of Holies. That was the altar that created the smoke that caused God not to see the sin of the people and execute his mercies. Now here the Bible says when you get before the throne room of God, there's an altar there. What is it doing? Now, this is not Old Testament. This is not New Testament. This is heaven. In heaven, there's no Old Testament, New Testament. It's heaven. And in heaven, the Bible says, there's an altar before the throne of God. Read. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints. So the, uh, the prayers were offered where? On the altar. <laughs> Let's read. With the prayers of the saints ascended before from the angels and the angel took the censer and filled it with what? The fire from what? Look, look at look at this cookery. Angel is cooking some things. This is a potion concussion happening here. It's some concussion that's going on here. The guy has a sensor. He's given incense. He put it into the sensor. And then he goes, takes the fire from the altar. He puts it into the sensor. And then oh, you, you see it. No, you'll see it. You will see it for yourself. And the golden altar and the, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints. So he's mixing the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the 
of the saints and he's ascending to God then after as he ascends to God he takes the fire from the altar he feels the golden censer and then he did what he threw it into the earth and there were thunderings noises lightnings and an earthquake all that was done and what was the secret ingredient the fire from the altar the prayers were given the incense was rising but it was not until that golden censer was filled with what the fire from the altar that there were what manifestations so altars hold a spiritual significance do you see that are you convinced now that altars hold a spiritual significance yeah you convinced you convinced because you can see that transactions takes place on altars let's go back let's go back to genesis so it was the god who was telling jacob to build an altar who already had an altar in the heavens are we there go back 35 altars weeping your life left right and center let's go 35 verse 1 then God said to Jacob arise go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau interesting interesting that God would instruct him to build an altar I will show you why it was important I will show you why it was important. You ready? You ready? It's all in the Bible. Verse 7. And he built an altar and called the place what? Because so altars are place of meetings. It is where spirits and men flesh and spirit meet he says he built an altar there because God appeared to him so what does altars do they localize the presence of his spirit so when he built the altar there he was actually localizing making permanent the presence of the spirit there so you can see that there was a reason behind God asking him to what to build an altar there it was for what the purpose of localizing that presence so every time no matter where he'd go if he came back to lose he would meet the presence that is why 
Years later, after Abraham had died, he sleeps in the place where Abraham had built an altar and he sees the heavens open. Why? Because there was a presence localized there. So altars is not only the place of meetings, but the localization of a spirit's presence. It is the doorway, the entry into what? Into the earth realm for spirits and the entry into the spirit realm for men. So the promised land was filled with altars. The ites knew everything about altars. So everywhere there were altars in the promised land. Tells you something. There was demonic seeding, demonic presence in the place that God promises people. It is the operation of God. The Bible says that his, his, his ways are ancient. They are of old. In other words, if you want to see the patterns of God's operation, you must look at what he did at the beginning. You don't trace God's patterns by what he's doing now. No, he, what he's doing now is already a continuation of a pattern. He's the God of patterns. The Bible calls him the God of generations. What he does in one generation, he will do in another. That's how God operates. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, Exodus. It is from altars that blessings are released. From altar, oh, no, let me read you, let me, right there, right there, right there. Verse 9, verse 9, right there in, in, in Genesis 35. Right there, you'll see, then God appeared to Jacob again. Then God appeared to Jacob again. And he said what? And blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful, multiply, and a nation, and a company of nations shall proceed from you. And kings shall come. It was on the altar that the blessing was permanented in his life. Now you see what's missing in your life. Now you understand why it's like a deluge of curses are following you. <laughs> Listen, altars outlive the people that built them. The strength of an altar does not fall away because the one who built it died. That's why today you are still haunted by altars that your, your grandmother's great-grandmother built. <laughs> it is still speaking. Altars are activated by sacrifices. You see, what makes the altar spiritual is not the building, but what's offered on it. Hey, let's read. Let's read. Let's read. 
Exodus. Verse chapter 17, verse 14. Why blessings in, in people's lives do not perpetuate? God blesses you, ah, it's a blessing. And that's the end, the last time you, you experience that blessing in your life. You wonder why, where is it? Where are not blessings supposed to be forever? <laughs> Chapter 17. I'm not going to be able to I'm in trouble with Jesus. Let's say the altar, altar, say, ah, silly. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm a new creature. <laughs> I thought I knew. I know nothing. Let's read. Chapter 17. Exodus. Chapter 17. Now, this is after this is after Joshua defeated Amalek by what? By stopping the sun and the moon. Hey, let's read. Verse 13. For Moses went up. Remember that old shebang. Moses went up, built an altar, all those things. Let's read. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, do what? So write it, the Lord destroyed Amalek on this day by this method. God is saying to Moses, write it. Write the victory down. As a memorial to remind yourself and generations to follow how the Lord delivered Amalek into Israel's hands. This is the same God that you pray to. It's not a different God. So why would he tell Moses to do something different than you? That I will utterly Blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Verse 15. And Moses did what? Look, look at, these are, these are, do you know Moses? My brother, do you, my sister, do you know Mo, who Moses was? Do you know who Moses was? Moses was God. On God, God gave Moses the title of Godship. That's Moses. Says, thou shalt be God unto Pharaoh. He was God. That's Moses. The Bible says, no man ever arose after Moses who, who terrorized nations like Moses. That's Moses. 
The prophetic dimension of Jesus' ministry was likened to Moses, not Elijah. Was likened to Moses, not Daniel. The Bible says, I will make another one like you. That's the promise God gave Moses. I will make, I will bring, I will raise another prophet like you to Israel. Jesus was that prophet like Moses. That's Moses, my brother and my sister. He's not some weak, some total being man of God. <laughs> He's not trying. Hazard, miss. <laughs> Moses, Moses picks up dust. He picks up dust. He throws it into the air. It becomes lice. That's Moses. Moses stretches out his hand to heaven. Stones, hail like huge rocks fall upon it. That's Moses. He's not Hazard. Hazard, oh God of heaven, no. Oh God, let it rain, no. Moses. This Moses, after God speaks to him, he builds an altar. Now you think how oh, Moses is powerful. He's a mighty man of God. He's already anointed. He has the spirit. He has the rod. He just came from a victory where he destroyed Amalek by just lifting his hands. What's Moses do? What, what business does Moses have with building altars? What business does Abraham have with building altars? What business does Isaac have with building altars? What business does Jacob have with building altars? And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, I will not what? I will, I will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And it was upon the strength of that altar that war was issued out. Because the Lord said, I will have war. Where's, where's your altar? It is your altar fighting for you when you are asleep. Sufit. You're not going to have what God promised you easy. Make no doubt about it. It's not going to come you chilling, sitting, waiting for an arrival of your promised goods. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. If you want to have promise fulfilled, you must walk. If you want to have, live in the land of promise, you must war. If you want to live in the land flow with milk and honey, whose grapes are in the palm of your hand, you must war. You must learn the mystery of the destruction of false altars. Because it is right there in the promised land where the altars are. Why would Satan go and build an altar in Jupiter? Whereas your promised land is in Cana. Don't take him for a fool. He's much more intelligent than that. Let's read. Chapter. 
chapter 20. God even made laws for, for the building of altars. If this thing, if, if, I mean, if something is issued into law, you know, if something is legislated, you know it is accepted in heaven. This was accepted in heaven because God created a legislation around it. God appeared to me a few days ago, a few weeks ago, in the night. <laughs> was just after my prayers. And the Spirit of God said to me, I won't tell you everything that he said because it's personal. He said to me, when the Lord has blessed you and increased you in your land, and when the Lord has given you all your heart's desire, then thou shalt consecrate. Listen, God says this to me. Thou shalt consecrate a room for the meeting place of the Lord. That's, that's how I... Listen, that's one little now. You know, there are people when God speaks, they oh yes, Lord. Ooh. Oh, bless the Lord. Adoring me. You know, you know what I mean? That's like oh. That's what I did. Huh? Then the angel explained it to me. He said, because of this and this and this and this. I will not tell you because those are mysteries. Those are mysteries. <laughs> Haven't you wondered? Every false prophet, every false preacher, they tell them, go for the room, more You know, I used to ask myself, what the hell? What on earth? By here. Why? Now God told me that. And the Lord said, for a meeting place of the Lord. Do you know, in Israel, there was, there was a section. It was outside the camp. You know it? It was called what? The tabernacle of meeting. It was, it was not among the people. It was outside the camp. That's what it was called. There was a tabernacle, right? Of Moses, and then there was the tabernacle of the tabernacle of Moses. It was in the camp, surrounded by all the four tribes. It was in the center, right? Surrounded by all the twelve tribes, making four directions: east, west, south, whatever. Right? Read that in numbers. But then the tabernacle of meeting was out, outside the camp, and that's where the Bible says God 
met with Moses face to face when the cloud came down. It means it is important to have a place where you pray there every single day. It's important. It's important to have a, a single place. Bambalona kajeko rapela dining room, the next kamshule rapela toilet, kamshule. You're confusing the angels, Bano. No, we pray. Spiritual things don't work that way. To consecrate a presence, there must be a consistent application of what? Of consecration in that particular place. That becomes your Ndumba. <laughs> he says if you can, dedicate a specific location where, where no other activity but the meeting of God takes place. That's why in the old, they went to mountains. So Jesus went to mountains. And there was one specific mountain that Jesus loved going up on is the Mount of Olives. Most of his prayers he prayed there. The Bible says when he, had, when he had said goodbye to the people, he went up on the mountain to pray. He arose and went on the mount to pray. When they went and looked for him, they found him in the mountain. That's another mystery of the location of spirit in the high places. We'll leave it for another day. Why didn't God come down and meet Moses up on the low valleys? He said to Moses, come up on the mountain. And there on the mountain that God called Moses, there were 12 altars. And the, the morning before Moses went up, the Bible says he offered upon those 12 altars. And he went up on the mountain. God met him on the mountain. When Jesus rose again, he says, let them find me in Galilee. It was on the mountain. Why must he, why, why the specific places of meeting? Peter, uh, the Lord, the Lord is my Savior. Now, now you Capernaum. What would have happened? He would not have seen him go. Anyways, let's go. Chapter, I said chapter 20, chapter 20, is it chapter 20? Uh, what chapter did I say, Exodus? Oh, chapter 20, yeah. 20 verse 22. Verse 22, we there? Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of you have seen that I've talked to you from heaven. You understand that? Oh, 
maybe maybe you don't understand maybe maybe you don't understand heaven is where God's throne is amen I leave it there heaven is where God's throne I leave it there Sila. You, you have seen that I've talked to you from heaven. You shall not make anything. Right? To be with me. Gods of silver or gods of gold you shall not make for yourselves. So God didn't permit them to make carved images to represent God, right? But what did God allow? An altar of earth. Look at what God allows. He don't allow, he don't allow all these altar of gold. No, he says, but an altar of earth. You shall make for me. Okay. You shall make. Read there, please, for yourself. An altar of earth you shall make for me. He says, don't create things to liken me like unto other gods. But an altar of earth you will make for me. For who? <laughs> so when God said to Jacob, make an altar. Even if they added, make an altar for me. So why does God need an altar? Why does God need an altar? And he says an altar of earth. So he gives him specific resources. An altar of earth. In other words, a natural stone, not carved or chiseled, you will make for me. Listen to what happens. And you shall sacrifice your burnt offerings on it, and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of what? Of hewn stone. I thought you are building uh, bricks and say I'm making. No, you don't make an altar for God like that. For if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go up by the steps to my altar that your nakedness may not be exposed. Now he's changing. He says, my altar. Oh, my altar, God. My altar. My... Now the place is no longer yours. It's God's. So the place where he put his name says, I will come. That's why years later, David thought, the Bible says it was in his heart to build the Lord an altar. He, he, he used the the, 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 the the translators use what a house but really it was what an altar because God said to Solomon after he had built it when the glory came down that if any person calls or even faces the place of this house he said I will hear from heaven and I will bless them that's one of the reasons why the Bible tells us when, 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 when Daniel heard about the, the 
edict of the king, he went to his house, opened the windows and faced where? Where did he face? Jerusalem. And prayed. Why did he face Jerusalem? That was the place of covenant. God had said it. Anybody who faces this direction, notice when the Jews pray, they always face east. Even Muslims, they always face east. It's not about the rising of the sun. No, it's a direction of covenant. When, when God planted a garden in Eden, he, pl he planted it white, westward, southward. <laughs> so there are mysteries. What I'm trying to show you is that there are secrets, there are veils of the spirit dimension, secret truths, ancient patterns that have been lost throughout the generations. But, but, those in the kingdom of darkness are well aware of, they are carried with their usage. This is the technology of spirits. That's altars, the technology of spirits. It's what, oh Lord, it's what, you see, you see, when an altar is built, that place, that, that region becomes, belongs to the spirit. So it is dedicated for the activity of that spirit. So you can see in a region or in a territory which altars or which spirits are, prevail, are prevalent based on the altars that are built. So God said, in the land that I'm giving you, you will find altars which the ites have built. And thus you shall deal with them. He says, you shall destroy them. You shall what? Destroy them. You shall what? So you do not occupy without warfare. So really, warfare is the last step to inheritance. When a man is led into war in the spirit, when a man is led into warfare in the spirit, it means he is close to what was promised him. He is close to his inheritance. If men do not observe the pattern, you will never inherit what God gives or what God promised. Oh, wow. Because those altars will continue to be what? A nuisance to you. Mona, you're, you're, in, you're, you're, you're in Canaan. You're enjoying your grapes. Ashile, altar rare poverty. What do you think is, is, is happening vertically? Ashile, altar barrenness, more. Ninety percent of the time, if there is a recurring condition in your life, a recurring pattern in your life, it is mostly tied to an altar. That's why you can cast out the devil, but as long as the altar remains, it will still perpetuate. 
Because it is not the devil that intensifies it. It's the altar. Oh. So you do not destroy generational curses or generational pettings by casting out devils. No. You do that by severing the activity of devils. And how you do that is the remover and destruction of altars. Because it is something that is localized not in a person but in a territory. When something is in a family, it's not in you. You understand? It's not in you. The, the strength of the spirit, the force of that spirit is not personally in you. No, it's something that's working within your bloodline which is strengthened by the presence of an altar. So God said, destroy them. He said, do what? Destroy. When they, got, when they got into the land, the first things they needed to do is to uproot the altars, destroy the altars. That's how you clean the airways in your family, in your destiny. Hallelujah. 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 Hmm. All right. Are we there? Let's let's go. Go back to Deuteronomy. Amen. Remember when David sinned against the Lord, remember? When David sinned against the Lord and the prophet told him, the Lord says, choose three things. Defeat from your enemy, pestilence, uh, famine. And David says, I offer myself into the hand of the Lord. And then the Bible says, the Lord sent an angel to what? To strike Israel. Remember? And that angel was standing at the threshing floor. Remember? Remember? And the angel was, was cutting and cutting. And then the prophet, I think it was Dan, came. Remember when the prophet Dan came? Okay, okay let's read it. Because I know you don't know. Uh, second summer. Gad, yeah, it was Gad, not Dan. Second Samuel, chapter 24. Verse 15. We there? All right. So the Lord sent a plague upon... Israel from the morning till the appointed from Dan to Bathsheba 70,000 men died 
Oh. And you, you will see how the plague really was ministered. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, think about it. The Lord relented from the destruction. That's how great the sin was. And said to the angel who was destroying the people by the plague. So, it is enough now. Restrain your hand. This is the Lord. So that angel would not be stopped by prayer, by anything. Only what? The voice of God. God said, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, wait, wait, wait. It's enough. It's it. Think about it. 70,000 men were swiped just like that. So eh, all of Jerusalem would be wiped out. Right? And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel. See, David was, was somebody, he saw. So David saw the angel that was striking the people. And said, surely I've sinned, I have done wickedly. But these people, these sheep, what have they done? Lord, I pray, be, be against me and my father's house. Leave the people alone. Right? So he's praying. The prayer is not answered. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, go up. He gave him a mystery. He says, boy, you're praying. Boy, you're praying. God hears, you're praying. This is a prophet. Gad is a prophet. Boy, you're praying. You know, he's he seeing all this. He's seeing the angel. He's like, oh God. <laughs> oh, please, Jesus. Oh, please, Jesus. Oh, mercy. Mercy, Lord. Oh God, mercy. Mercy, Lord. Here's a prophet. He comes and a minister. A secret. But what you go ahead and Every year, what you? Your bloodline is fetching you. Oh God, you're praying. Oh, Mudibu, Mudibu. Maraba, but next year, again, gone. And what happened at the fasting in the 80 days? Mudimu, Mudimu, gone. You need what? One who's educated in the realms of the spirit. Get knew what was going on. Because he was the one that gave him the prophecy. And it came to him that day when he was praying. After he saw the angel, he sees the visions, he sees the angel. Nothing is changing. He lifts up his intelligence and he says, go up and erect an altar. Go up and do what? And erect an altar. Build an altar to the Lord on the same place where the angel was standing. So David, according to the word of God, went up as the Lord commanded. So, so this really... The, what the prophet was giving David was actually a command from God. So, oh, do you see it? God stopped the angel. The angel stopped killing, but he did not leave. The angel was still around, roaming around. Until what? Until God said to get, go tell that guy, he is praying. Tell him to go build an altar. His prayers will mean nothing until an altar is built. 
Then he went and built an altar court as the Lord commanded. Now Arura looked and saw the king and so forth and so forth, right? And David said, to buy the threshing floor to you to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. That's verse 20, 20, 21. And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you and to build an altar that the plague may be withdrawn. So the angel stopped, but the plague was still killing. So the side effects of what the angel started still continued even after the angel stopped. So David needed to do something to stop what? The plague. To withdraw the plague. Are you there? Okay. Now, verse 25. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers of the land. After the altar was built, the Lord heeded the prayers of the land. Mara, these are strange things. After the altar was built, the Lord heeded the prayers of the land. What was happening before? They were praying. And David builds an altar according to the commandment of God. And the Lord healed, heeded the prayers of the land, and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. What's missing in your life is not prayers. Is the presence of altars. <laughs> now, Jacob didn't pour, didn't kill an animal. The Bible says he poured oil on the stone and he slept on it, and the heavens were open. Let me read you one last thing and then I'm going to get into something. Are we there? Exodus, I think. Chapter 13. Okay, let's leave chapter 13. Let's... Where's my, where's my phone? Let me get that scripture. Where's my phone? Hoziri. Hoziri, bring my phone. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What's happening here? 
let me get there, right? Somewhere in Numbers, and then I'm going to get into something. Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16. This May, this May, this prayer summit is like none other. The Lord promised total deliverance, total freedom, total rest. You heard what I said? The Lord promised. If, if, if we will pray rightly. <laughs> Woo! Total deliverance. Total freedom. These are, these are not my words. They don't come from me. These are words of the Spirit. Total Deliverance. Do, do, do you understand that? When Israel, God said this, is I have come down. I have come, God says, I have come down that I might deliver my people from the hand of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Total deliverance. Total freedom. This month, learn just to follow instructions. Let that be the intelligence you master. Because heaven is speaking. Are you listening to me? Heaven is speaking. Hey, chapter 16. Verse 41. On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. <laughs> oh, human beings, human beings, human beings. So what had happened here is that Korah came against Moses, right? He gathered some few people and they, they said, no, what he's doing, we can do. It's not like he's anything special. We are also servants of the Lord. That's what Korah was saying, right? So he mobilized a few people in his clan. And they got to Moses to say, we understand Kaluri leader, what, 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 but we are also people of God. We are also anointed. Rabona, our preacher, Lerona Ripe, Ripe platform. 
Rabona wa professor, rife platform. Tabo thoma kreka hau. Oh, wawa to usgacha platform ya kiaka. Kostad yo umti. Oh, kanarele go kreka ing pasta rife nyana chance. Yao, yao, you know, yao ti express. Yari training, yidi busy, this is my ground. Chabile someone, I know. I don't care. So, so Kara gathers around. Hi, 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 Mun. Hi, Mun. Moses are okay. Fine, fine, fine. Galuton, sharp. I'm planning tomorrow. Ne? Are if I be a man of God. And if I be the servant of the Lord, chosen by the Lord, tomorrow it shall be shown. Zohalang, all your clan, all your friends, it will be decided who really the Lord has chosen. So Moses, who me the side, the next morning, Korah, who me the side. Abita, all of Israel was gathered there. That's Moses. Listen to what he said. <laughs> you there? Yeah? Okay. Then Moses said to Cor, here now, you son of Levi. Is it a small thing that you know, because Korah uh, was of the, the tribe of Liban, right? So they were already doing some service to God. So they thought, these, these, are, these are levels we can enter. Right? <laughs> Hey, 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 Ibima, this thing. Ibima. Verse 28, let's read. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men. Now, as he prayed, and if they die like natural men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all, the flu, Kidney failure. Then the Lord has not sent me. If what if a normal death comes upon them, today, then all of you shall know the Lord has not sent me. Again, if then he says, but if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens up its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them. And they go down alive into the pit then you will understand that these men have rejected the lord now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them now this was to prove that moses was sent by god never 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 tempt a man of god to prove if he's called never the angels that walk with him 
who will terrorize your destiny. Never test the spirit. It's like Ananias and Zabade, like uh, Peter, 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 give fishermen. Bro, now we are property owners. We are real estate owners. So, Raizu, Kuka, the number. So, Retom Mufai, Peter, Peter, why is the spirit like? Why is Satan tempted you to lie to the Holy Spirit? This was this your possession. Was it not yours from the beginning? Before Peter even finished speaking, he was dead. Sapphira came three hours later. How Peter we, we came to him. Ah, uh, you see those men there. They are the ones that carried your heart. Before she got time to grieve. She had followed her husband. Never, never ask a man of God to, to, I'm talking about real words, to have to prove. Hey, if the Lord creates, if the Lord creates a new thing, and God did it, as he finished speaking, look at it, as he finished speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their household, all the men with Korah, with all their goods. And all those with them went down alive into the pit. And the earth closed over them, and they perished among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry. <laughs> For they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. Verse 41. Prove it. Are we there? Verse 41. On the next day, so on the next day, all the congregation they came together and complained against you. You have killed the people of the Lord. Now when the congregation had gathered against Moses. And they turned toward the tabernacle of the Mekin. Suddenly, the cloud covered it. Then the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. This is Moses and Aaron now. Then Moses said to Aaron, because Moses knew what was about to happen. You see, this was a man that was learned in the activity of the spirit. So he knew, he had the intelligence to say to Aaron, Hey, hey, where now? Run! Take the center, put it in the fire from the altar, and put incense on it. What is he doing? He is doing the heavenly concussion. Who, who, now, who taught Moses to do the thing? that John saw in Revelation. Take the censer and put what? Put it in the fire. From where? The altar. Put incense on it. And take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For the wrath has gone out from the Lord. So when Moses knew when God spoke, it, it was about to go down. So he said, hey, fix this up quickly. Because the only way that was this was going to be dealt with was from what the concussion from the altar. For lack of better term, okay? 
for the plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. And already the plague had begun and 14 people were dead already. So he put the incense and made atonement for the people. He stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. Everyone on this side of the plague, it means he came late. Everyone on this side was saved because he, he did what? He made atonement. He put the center there. And the plague could not cross over. So plagues have intelligence to know when to stop. In your life, they just con continue to bombard your life. When a hoofy says, Wasama Rapela, Wasama Wafasta, Wasama, all these things, Marasakube. Have you stood between the dead and the living? Oh, hallelujah. Think about it, he didn't pray. Just put it there, and the altar, it stopped. Right where the incense was going up, it stopped. I bet you never thought that these things could happen in the Bible. This is some supernatural Avenger kind of things. This, this, this is like, <laughs> this is up there. This is up there, just that we just need a director to put it on footage. <laughs> or oh, what is some red thingy fly? Then the white incense. This side, everybody's dead. This side, but they can't see. But that, that's exactly what was happening. But Moses, had the, he knew if they prayed then, nothing would stop it. Because this is the same thing that happened to David, remember? This was a plague. And the only time a plague would be stopped is if an altar is built. Mm. Hallelujah. I left you a clue in Hebrews. The Bible says we have an altar to partake. We have that altar. <laughs> do, you know, you, do you know that altar? Let me show you the altar. That is what allows us to transcend with spirits, to localize the presence of spirits. I'll show you the altar. You see, they built altars because Christ is the reality of all things. So, you can go and build an altar, right? Physically build one. But there's another way. That will still grant or give the same results. You can execute upon the altar. I'll show you the altar. Remember, he said you shall build an altar for, for me. You shall build an altar for, and that shall be my, let's read, Hebrews chapter 10. You know, there's so much I want to cover. This is not even half of it, and it's 12. 
Give me an hour. Is that fine? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. Because they, they said, he said, we already have an altar, right? The altar of altars. Is knowledge. See, what differentiates us in the kingdom is knowledge. Ah, let's read Hebrews chapter 10. Are we there? Verse 10. We there? Let's read. By that will we have been sanctified through the so Jesus is both the offering and the altar remember everything is a shadow in comparison to Jesus Jesus is the reality he is the son. He is the truth of what was done throughout the ages. So the bulls and the goats that were offered on altars was actually Jesus. The altar was also Jesus. He is both the sacrifice and the altar upon which the sacrifice is offered. And he is also the what? The sacrificer. <laughs> Did you understand that? So Jesus is the priest that offers upon the altar. He is the offering that is offered upon the altar. And he is the altar upon which it is offered. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's in the Bible. Let's read. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his cross and having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near with her now do you see it do you see it the altar he's talking about is Jesus the cross of Jesus was the altar and that is the power that is continuated, I mean, that is perpetuated in the blood. So the blood is proof that there is sacrifice on the altar. So it is upon the strength of the blood of Jesus that we can speak from the mercy seat. Why? Because it is that 
it is that blood that gives us access into what? The altar of altars. Revelation chapter 12. We there? Revelation chapter 12. So the altar of the universe was right up there in Golgotha. It says where our Lord was slain. Spiritually the name is called. If you read Revelation chapter 18. Can I ask a silly question? Who built the pyramid? Who built the pyramids? Amen? As, as we go to, uh, what do you call? Yeah. Yeah? As we go to Revelation chapter 12. <laughs> Who built the pyramids? Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> Who built the pyramids? Yeah? Come on now. Come on, who built the pyramids? Yeah? And why would they build? Hebrew chapter, I mean, uh, Revelations chapter, yeah. Revelation chapter 12. <laughs> it's fine. Let's read. Chapter 12. That's for you to go home and. Yeah. I can tell you, but. Get a fight for yourself. Because it's in the Bible. And it was before Israel. Anyways, let's read. Chapter 12. Chapter 12, let's read. Chapter 12, verse number 10. In heaven, our salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For accuser, 
That's, that's so powerful. But another day, right? Let's read, please. And they did what? No, and they over? By what? And by? Notice, the two go hand in hand. They overcame me by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. Why? The strength of our altar is the blood. And it is the blood that proves that we have an altar to drink from, an altar to eat from. And that altar is Jesus. It is his body. You see, the body of Jesus is what allows Jesus to continue establishing his kingdom on earth. We're talking about, I'm talking about the body of Jesus, the church of Jesus Christ. Without the church, Jesus cannot continue. The Bible says the government shall be upon his shoulder, not upon his head. The government of Christ is upon his shoulders, not upon his head. And it is where the, the body actually of Jesus begins. So he says in chapter 10 that he opened a new and living way for us into the Holy of Holies by his veil, which was his body. And in reality, we have become the body of Jesus Christ. You must remember the goal in life is not Jesus. Jesus is the way. Are you following me? The goal in life is not Jesus. Jesus is the way. He says, I am the way. The goal is the Father. He says, no man cometh to the Father. The goal is not Jesus. The goal is not Christ. That's why there is a possibility in the spirit available for us to attain the stature of Christ. Because it is the goal of God to attain what? The Father dimension of God. So Jesus is only the way. So the Father through the spirit uses Jesus who is the altar of God to transact in the affairs of man. And Jesus is the church and Jesus combined together. That's why he doesn't give Jesus, he doesn't say Jesus is the body of God. He says we are the body of Christ and Christ is the head. In, the, in Ephesians, he says something strange. Something st if you read your Bible, it will almost cause you to fear because the Bible says, that the church, the fullness of him who feels all in all. So the one who feels all in all is fulfilled by the church. Is completed by the church. So the church of Jesus Christ consummates Jesus. You understand? So on earth today, the great altar of God is the body of Christ. says what a body a tabernacle made would not what what not of this creation not made with flesh and we are God's natural access into the earth dimension we are God's preferred 
access into this world. So when he said, my Lord said unto my Lord, sit now at my right hand until I make your enemies footstool. And he said, rule now thou in the midst of thine enemies. He was talking about you. So today, the reality of altars, the mystery of altars is the church. He says, I will build my altar and the gates of hell shall not what did not prevail against the altar? The plague. What did not prevail against the altar? The devils, the eight. So nothing prevails against the altar. So really, the church of Jesus is the altar of God. That is why it is to us the priesthood is given. It is to us that the kingship is given. Why? Because the combination of the priesthood and those are things that are executed upon the ministry of the high priest. So we are as a body the altar of God. We are a force to be reckoned with. That's why the Bible says that he that let shall what? Shall let until he's taken away. And we are those who let. We are those that keep Satan and his cohorts at bay. We are those that keep the plagues of civilization at bay. Jesus called us the salt of the earth, the preserver of mankind. Why God moved swiftly in Genesis was because there was no preservation system. We are the preservation system of God here on earth. We are God's intervention in the affairs of men and I sought for a man who would stand in the gap that I may not send my judgment and I found none. Men are altars that stand between God and His judgments. We are the reality of what Jacob was doing. We are what God is building in the earth today. So when we pray, that's why he says our prayers are like incense. Coming away from the altar of the spirit. That is one of the reasons the Bible says your body is the altar of the Holy Ghost, is the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost, is the temple of the Holy Ghost, is the house of the Holy Ghost. God lives in altars. Abasha. So that's why it says, be very considerate what you do with your body because it belongs to God. We are the altars Abraham was sacrificing on us. It says that when the Lord shall build Zion, he shall appear. God appears at the erection of altars. gates of hell shall not prevail. Was not the place where Abraham built the altar where Jacob slept? Did he not say this is none other than the gateway of heaven? So the gateways of hell cannot prevail where the altar of altars 
erected. So every ministry, every church of God that has been planted by the Spirit of God is really in reality an altar, a defense system in that region, a preservation system in that territory, and the intervention media of God. And it is through the activation of prayers, of intercessions, and supplications that the strength of the altar is felt. Prayers, intercessions, offerings are the offerings we offer on the altar. That's why I said, my house shall be a house of prayer. My alt, mine oh, Let's read it. 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 Because he said it. All the ites in your life, the witches in your life, all the let me tell all the ites, it oh, they would be they would be very strong if they get past me. They would have had to have made a covenant with God Himself to pass this month. Chapter 6, Isaiah. The reason Congo Segegisiba Shata Pradiza Kamana Sora Tela Kita Bahasa. Strange things are about to happen. Let's read it, 56, verse 7. Read it, you read it for yourself. In case you think that I'm making these things up, read it for yourselves. Wait, where's that altar? Wait, continue, continue. Because my house... Notice, God interchanges the words when, between altar and house. Read, 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 read. A house of prayer for all nations. Now, let me read you verse 7 again. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house. So where is, where is his house? In his holy mountain. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. Where is his altar? On his holy mountain, in his house. For my house shall be called the altar of prayer. There. God himself says it. He said his house is an altar of prayer. The strength of a ministry is not in the erudition of the minister. It's not in the eloquence of a minister. It's not in the niceness of their praise and their worship. 
the strength of a ministry and what qualifies a ministry to become a house of God is not the singing that goes around, not the clapping, it's not the preaching, it's not the teaching. He says it's the incense that rise, it's the prayers that are being offered. Read Malachi chapter 1 quickly. For from the rising, verse 11, chapter 1. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great. Remember what he said. He said, everywhere where I put my name, there shall be an altar. Remember? He says, my name shall be made great among the nations. In every place. Notice, God's name is not great in every church. The name of a church does not mean nothing. What distinguishes a church, what distinguishes an assembly, what distinguishes a ministry is not its name. He says, my name shall be made great in every place. Incense shall be offered to my, to my name. So, in every place where incense is offered to the name of God, he said, that place, his name will be made great. This is how spirits are attracted to a, a place. Attracted to an environment. So, even in your own household, his name can be made great. As long as incense is offered to his name. what you thought you thought when we leave this place I was gonna to say to you go to a mountain and go build an altar it's important in the Word of God to have context to reality is important is important that's how we can rise and destroy the altars of the ice the sacred pillars of the ice because those things, they siphon energy, demonic energy, dark energy, negative energy. There's a difference between where now only more, especially if you're not in that territory, and when you move out, you, you feel different. There's a lightness you feel maybe when you are, you are, you are in Santen or you are in. That sentence is, the, is a perfect example because, because the, 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 the spiritual atmosphere is very much contrast. You step into Alexander, you feel something different. You step into Senten, you and it's just a street apart. You say, Mara, hey, what's going on here? Is the energy siphoning that territory? Now, don't think, oh, Satan is, is Satan's throne. 
is not Alexandra where Satan's throne is. <laughs> I will leave it there. But what I wanted to show you is the mystery of altars. How to utilize altars to advance your own life. How to utilize altars. This is an altar. You, you Listen, alone you are impactful. Together you can terrorize. One shall chase a thousand, two, ten thousand. Is the power of exponential force in unity. It's not multiplication, this is exponentiality. If one chases a thousand, God left that for you. If one chases a thousand and two ten thousand, it tells you three hundred thousand, it tells you four uh, one billion. Do you understand that? Two is always better than one. And he says the force of togetherness is unity. Is unity. He says if two or three shall agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. God responds to unity. When every, every single one in Babel was unified under one objective, under one cause, it attracted the attention of God. God, the Bible says, came down to see what they were doing. And God said, if this continues, nobody shall be able to withstand them because they are together in this thing. So the only way to, to destroy them is to give them languages, to confuse them with languages. Because if they come under one language, with one mind and one intent, not even I can stop them. And that's one of the reasons why Satan fights unity. He fights it. He fight. You see, you see, in the absence of prayer, schisms arise. Because prayer spiritualizes a territory. The prayerfulness of a people spiritualizes that territory. That's why it's difficult for there to be schisms and divisions in a praying church. Well, did whoever said it, a house that stays together is the one that prays together. If you want to dismantle the activity of spirits, don't do it alone. Get a brother, get a sister. He said if two, if two, not one, if two, there are matters your own faith can handle. But there are, there are matters, generational matters, where you need to congregate and assemble. And you say, let's lift our voices to the God of heaven. The Bible says when Peter and John were let go, they went into their company to tell them of what happened. And then the Bible says everybody started lifting up their voices to God with one voice. They said, oh God, behold, they are present. And they started praying. They said, stretch now thy hand to do signs and miracles by the name of your holy child, Jesus. Then the Bible says the place where they were gathered was shaken together. 
shaken together. Shake. Let me tell you, these things will be shaken. It has begun already. The unification of prayer. Listen, we are about to de- we are about to declare war. And listen, we have spiritual nuclear weapons. We don't have C4, some weak bombs. No, we are building a nuclear weapon that will dismantle all and undo all the works of darkness. For this cause, the sun was manifested that it might destroy the works of devils. I'm after devils this season. I don't know about you. I've been talking to angels too long. Now I'm after devils. Devils of poverty, devils of barrenness, devils of stagnation, devils of delay, devils that steal the destiny of man, that corrupt the destinies of man. We ask you. You have me tell you that the Lord is a man of war. He has made me a man of war. I, have, I am anointed for war. You know what David said in, in, in Psalm 18? He said, you have armed me for strength. You have armed me with strength for battle. That I may pursue and overtake my enemies. Until all of them are grinded like powder. I realized I had enemies. And I let them play around like ants. Let them play around like cockroaches and flies around me. I gave them notice. I don't know about yours, but mine. I gave them notice. Is repent or die? Revoke or die? The things you sent, let it come on you. Yeah. Say it on that earth. No, what I purpose to do in that person's life, let it happen to me and my children. Or I, I, I die. That's why I told you here this month, I'm not looking for sissies. I'm not looking for people to pity part. I'm not about that business. You will die with them. If you have that kind of behavior. Here we are armed for war. For war. You you want promises? You want fulfillment? Get ready for war. Oh, the Bible, God said, God said, God said to Jeremiah, Thus says the Lord, I have made you my battle axis. My weapons of warfare. I said to the Lord, I am your weapon of warfare this month. I hope you say the same. You are rest- we are restoring our destiny our pre- to its priesthood. Unnecessary struggles, unnecessary sufferings. Ten years, five years, 
three years in one job, there's no change in your level, it's time for war. A change of level necessitates warfare. Devils are, are whipped, are clapping. Oh. 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 Jesus said, You do that with men, not with devils. And not with men who, who have signed that to being agents of devils. You don't clap me and I give you this sight. You are playing games. You are playing games. You are playing games. Hallelujah. Today we give notice. Today we give notice. We give notice to every devil and their operations, their maneuvers, their schemes, their strategies, their wires, their darts, their weapons, that this month enough is enough. I am coming into your territory. Yeah. We <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. 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 You will drive out devils. You will drive them out. You will drive them. Those that lick on a call, not a familiar house. Something will break loose this month. I'm telling you. Something will. You see, if nothing is broken loose in your life, this month, this month, this month of May, it will break loose. Hallelujah. It will break loose. It will, we will offer incense. We will offer incense until the throne room is clouded. Until even God can't see where that, that creature is. Until he can't see the four living creatures around. That's, that's the density of, of, of incense that will be offered. The elders would need to find themselves by voice. Where are you? I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. I hope you are ready. I hope you are ready. You sit in your chair, Mike, and wonder what, why is this thing pressing in? Just before you even finish, tongues will be rolling out. The party kicked You see, oh, 
<laughs> Something is coming. Something is something is landing. Is landing. Are you listening to me? Something is landing. This is what I've been waiting. The arrival of professionalism, your modesty in prayer. Father, leave that crap. Leave that crap. That, that manner of prayer is not permitted in this dimension. In warfare, that manner of sugo, go, bo, 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 bo. In that edification, that, that is, there's no, there's a time for that. There's a time for su, 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 su. No. In this dimension, that kind of praying is not permitted. You will be whipped in that dimension if you pray like that. The Bible says the earnest, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man. Earnest, intense, fiery. If you want to see changes this month, from the 1st of May to the 31st of May, your prayers better have intensity. They better have fire. You better start creating fire, prayer, prayer, fire in your prayers. These cold prayers you are praying, they will not do. Are you listening to me? Yes. These prayers you pray like you are asleep or you pray like you are bored, they will not do in this dimension. And listen, if you sense yourself to pray, sleep, 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 just Father, thank you, and go to sleep. Because you have not entered that dimension. And the angels, you see, the, the, the angels of warfare in that dimension will not recognize you. They trust me, they will not. We're not dealing with this dimension, we're not dealing with fairy tale angels. But for any further. We're not dealing with those angels here. We deal with angels with weapons. Fuck. The Bible, do, do you know, the Bible says the mighty men of David, some of them look like, their faces like lions. That's, that's, what, that's what warfare did to them. It contorted their countenance. Some of them said they looked like lions. They looked like beasts. They were mighty men of war. Those kinds where if you just look at you, you, you tell, hey, you get him, not get sharp. <laughs> just by the look, just, just by the look. You must, you must, you must, you must pray with your, listen, you must pray with your emotions. You see the intensity of the time. It requires a, a leveled, a leveled intensity. You must pray with your emotions. You must pray with your soul. You know the Bible says, and he prayed until great sweat as blood were dripping from him. That he prayed until his sweat became thick like blood. That's the prayer. This month we pray. That's the prayer this month we pray. 
you pray Mike until until your whole body sweats if you if your prayer doesn't reach those dimensions you have not begun you you must pray until you tear your voice until you feel like your voice is tender yeah it that listen it is not it is not it is not the 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 the, the prayer or the your voice tearing or your sweat dropping. No. It is, it is the, the, the manifestation of intensity. That's what I'm talking about. You go on your knees. You, you must come out. You must feel like your knees are breaking. If you don't reach those intensities during this month, sleep. This is not for you. Hallelujah. And this month we don't pray in the day. All our prayers are after midnight. If you love your sleep, start talking to it. You tell I'm going to starve you this month. In the night because of the mystery of the night. Genesis, quickly. Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says he hides himself. Psalm. Let's, let's, read, let's read Exodus chapter 10 and then let's go to Psalm. Exodus. Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. Let's read. Exodus 20, 20. Yeah, Exodus 20, 20. You there? And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come that his fear may be so that you may not Now listen to this, verse 21. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near where? And Moses drew near what? Where what was? Where was God? Where was God? Where was God? 
Where was God? Some, some of us will think, oh, Muri Muli Money. Think light. Where God was. Read your Bible. The Bible says what? It says where God was. <laughs> where God was. Speak. Psalm. Psalm. Eighteen. Read, read quickly Psalm 91. Quickly, fast. Fast, fast, fast. Read it, Mike. He who dwells in the secret place of the Lord. He who dwells. <laughs> Do not fear. The Lord has come to test you. <laughs> he who dwells. He who dwells. In the, in the secret place. In the secret place. In the secret place. In the secret place. 18. Quickly. Yeah, secret place. Amonimo. Mahorimo. Read, please. Verse 9. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. Mara, you think with light, Moses? See, you think with light. You think God would come riding on the light. The Bible says with darkness under his feet. Many times, we have we have I liken darkness with evil. I get But darkness is a child of God. Let's leave it there. He says he, he came down with what? Listen, Bible. Go argue with the writers of the Bible. With darkness under his. He rolled upon a and flew and flew upon the wings of the verse 11 please so if you read Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 you realize that was actually what that was actually what the presence of God. <laughs> it's fine for another day. Read that, that again. He made darkness his. Then the Bible says, He that dwells in the. Of the. And what is the secret place of the Most High? What? Hmm. 
So really, the best time to pray is when? In the dark of the? In the? In the? What's the dark of the night? Midnight is the darkest hour of the night because let's use science here again. Okay? Because that is the time where the sun is furthest away from that territory. So midnight, he says, is what? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There are six. There are twelve hours in a. Twelve hours in a, which equals twenty-four. What is the brightest hour of the day? We all agree. Why? Because that's when the sun is most central, right? That means the dispersion of light at that time is equal over that region again so if the brightest hour of the day is 12 noon that means the darkest hour of the night is 12 what so 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 there are 12 hours in a day right 12 hours in the night so the first six hours at the beginning of the of the ending of the first six hours it is brightest at the end of the second sixth hour it is it is dark right and yet the bible says to us he has made darkness his secret place again and his canopy around him was dark waters and the the thick clouds of the of the sky you, you got that right you, you got that? Did you get that? Yeah? yeah? Amen. Really? Okay, let's read Psalm 97. Verse 2. Psalm 97, verse 2. <laughs> hey, where's life more? Lord, then what's happening? Clouds and darkness. righteousness and justice are the foundations of his. And fire goes up before. But he says, darkness and clouds surround. Wow. Wow. So let's go back to Genesis. So God loves the dark. Amen. Amen. <laughs> God loves devils too. Bob says, he who does, who his works are wicked, does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But he loves what? The darkness. Are we there? 
Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness. And darkness. And darkness. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the Then God said, let there be. And there was. And God saw the light that it was. And divided the light from. He didn't destroy darkness. He only divided it. He apportioned. Think about it. God apportioned the same to light as he did to darkness. God saw that the light was good, but he didn't give the light any more time to rule than he gave darkness. They all have equal time. Are we there? And God saw that the light was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light, and the darkness he called. So, evening. So, look what God gives preference as to the beginning of the morning or the day, right? So, the day begins with God when? In the evening. So, he says, evening and morning were the first day. So, let's just say that today, today, God is, according to Genesis, right? Today, God is going to divide the firmament, the waters from the firmament, from the waters above the firmament, right? He's going to divide it. He's going to call the firmament heaven and so forth, right? So when do you think he's going to start it? In the morning. Yeah? When? In the evening, right? Let's just use the terminology evening for now, right? So if God is going to create this, Let's just say today is day six, right? Is the day God creates Adam and forms him, right? When does he begin? In the evening. All agreed? Why evening? Because that is the beginning of the day. So the evening is the beginning of the day. I'm going to say this and never forget it. The evening is the time at which heaven and God is most active. So the spirit realm is, is at its optimum activeness in the evening. So the evening really is prime time for spiritual operation. That's why Jesus worked in the spirit in the evening. In the morning, he walked on earth. Study his life, you will see. A great while before sunrise. He didn't say a while. He says a great while before sunrise, he went to pray. And then during the day, he did the healing. And notice, every time... If you read the time when Jesus went to go pray the whole night, you know, you know when he, he chucked them out, he told them to go? He said it was what? At the, says at the 11th hour, he told, when he had sent the multitude away, he went to go pray. So that was about, about 6 p.m. And he prayed right through the night, up until 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. And then he went and walked on water. So we see that God 
is most active. Angels are most active. The kingdom, heaven, the spiritual dimensions of God are most active in the night. So, if a man wants to align himself with the womb of the spirit, it must be at night. And preferably according to the workings of God at midnight, in the middle of the night. Because the middle of the night is the transition into the morning. And that's why the Bible calls that time the womb of the morning. The womb, do you know, you know, you know that? The womb of the morning. So what happens is that God creates from evening. He works from evening into day. So really, by the time day comes, God is ending his work. And evening and the morning were the third day. So when God finished, it was day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you can see from Genesis that really the operation of spirits are, in, are from the night. And especially the height of prime time spiritually is midnight into the day. Rebecca from God 12. Half past three is our Rachaisa, half past three. Why? Because, because at that time, the, it, it is almost like the spirit dimension is you, you, are, you are much at liberty to move into those dimensions during those times. So let's substantiate this. Because this is where the, 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 the operation of deliverance becomes important. When did Paul and Silas pray? Did they lock them up at midnight? They probably locked them up before the courts closed, right? So from the time they were locked up, maybe 4 o'clock in the afternoon, they did nothing. Why didn't they pray? Why didn't they praise? They waited specifically until midnight. Because the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and praised the God of heaven. And suddenly there was an earthquake. At midnight while men slept, the enemies came and sold tears. Says you don't know when the master of the house will come at midnight. At midnight, a voice cried out, saying, the bridegroom is coming, prepare to meet him at midnight. They met the bridegroom at midnight, not during the day. And the Bible says, at midnight, at midnight, at midnight, God said, let's read it. I will pass through. Let's read it. Why not at six? If it's not, if, if time, oh, if, if you say, oh, well, it doesn't matter when you pray. Why? Why didn't God say, no, at three o'clock, I will pass. The order of midnight is so important that Jesus Christ died at 12 in the afternoon. But, but when he was hanging on the cross, the Bible says the sun became dark. So automatically at that point it became midnight. From, from 12 o'clock until 3, Jesus was hanging on the cross. At 3 o'clock he gave up his ghost. 
But from that time, for three hours, the earth was dark. Why? If timing is not important, why prophetically must Jesus be hanging on the cross at 12? It was because Passover took place at midnight in Israel, the time they were delivered from Egypt. Prophetic alignment. So Jesus also had to die at midnight, in the midnight hour. And that is why when he hanged on the cross, the sun became dark for three hours. So that, that tells us how long it took Egypt, Israel, to come out of Egypt. Let's go read it. Exodus. Exodus. If you want to start seeing visions, if you want to start having prophetic dreams from the heavens, start doing your activities in the night. The Bible says that David went to go and ask for the mercies of the king that they might seek God to reveal this dimension to them they went and prayed then the bible says and the lord in a night vision if you read if you read that word there if you read that word it says a dream of the night or dreams at midnight in a night vision it was the secret was revealed to daniel secrets are revealed in the night what i tell you in the dark reveal on the housetops. The destruction of the alignment of demons against your life happens at midnight. There are some cases, some issues, some devils, some spiritual activity in your life you will never deal with until you pray in the midnight. Jesus said, yeah, Jesus said, Jesus said to his disciples, this does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I'm telling you a mystery today that there are some devils who will never be driven out of your life until you learn to pray in the night hours. Because most of your life is disturbed there. Most of your destiny is disturbed in those hours. Hallelujah. Blessings, glory, honor, and adoration to the King. Chapter 11. I'm not teaching you my own opinions. I'm teaching you the Word of God. I didn't create these things. It was revealed. Verse 4. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, chapter 4, I mean chapter 11, verse 4. Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord. Who's saying it? About afternoon, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock. 
three o'clock at about every prophet knew this Habakkuk said I will rise in the night and stand my watch to see what he will say to me Jeremiah said arise arise at the beginning of the watches and cry out to the Lord pour your heart to him not, not just any time we want to change your life we want to transform the trajectory of your life but you must be willing to starve yourself of sleep hmm. that says the lord about midnight i will go out look there is it i will go out into the midst of egypt and all the firstborn of Egypt shall die. When was it? At mid? The angel would pass when at mid? Hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At mid? At mid? Then read. Verse 12, chapter 12, 12. Chapter 12, 12, read please. God is saying this, right? Verse 29, please. Verse 29, chapter 12. The greatest miracle in the lives and experience of Israel took place at midnight. Their deliverance, 400 years they were in slavery. 400 years they were bound, slaves to a nation that was not promised them. Their deliverance came at midnight. Was it a coincidence? Was it an accident? This is something that was planned in the mind of God because he told, him, he told it to his prophet that at midnight my angel will pass through the land. At midnight. The deliverance of a nation took place at midnight. Not at six. Not at four. At midnight. That must mean something spiritually. And that must reveal something about the operation of the mystery of deliverance. That if you're going to be delivered in your life from whatever bondages, whatever limitations, whatever hindrances and obstacles, it will take place in the night. And specifically at midnight. So the most powerful time to pray in the evening is midnight. Hallelujah. So this is a revelation. It's not an opinion. It's not a suggestion. 
is a revelation. We war in the night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Read, read, read verse 42. Read verse 42. It is a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. That is that night of the Lord. That is that night of the Lord. That is that night of the Lord. An observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. Throughout their generations. So we will pray in the night. We'll intercede in the night. All our prayers this month will be in the night. No praying in the day. Because this is prayer for deliverance. This is prayer for freedom. This is prayer for rest. So it must be in the night. There's no better time than to align ourselves with the strategies of heaven than in the night. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Some things have been happening in some of your life. You've been some you guys have been telling me strange things have been happening. Why do you you don't know why they happen? All of a sudden. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We will pray in the night. Amen. Amen. This year we'll pray in the night. In this session we'll pray in the night. Okay? So we'll, we'll continue to use our, our watch system. Okay? We'll continue to use our watch system. The names I ask you to, to write down, give them to Neo, alright? Uh, we'll continue to use our night system. So, like I said, we will pray every day from 12 to six all right from 12 p.m 12 a.m to 6 a.m every single day and every person on each watch will pray an hour all right so we'll have a group we're going to do it now we'll have a group that prays from midnight to one o'clock and they should not be less than two in each group all right there should not be less than two in each group. So we're going to pray from 12 to 1, 1 to 2, 2 to 3, 3 to 4. Just like we did last year, right? But only this time, it is in the night. Okay? And the night starts at midnight. Angel, so uh, I need somebody to write for me. 12 to 1, 1 to 2, all those things, okay? So there are two watches. So it's 12 to 3. Three, two, six, right? Yes. So one person will be in charge of each watch. Okay. So write somebody on a piece of paper. On a piece of paper. You know how it is. You gotta choose.